Hello and welcome back to Explio Explores with me, your host, Siobhan Smith. Welcome to episode eight. This series zooms in on the nine success factors for business transformation. These were identified through data gathered from over 1,000 senior decision makers in Explio's annual business transformation index report. Thank you so much for the lovely feedback on the series so far. It's hard to believe we're down to our last two episodes in this series, but we're delighted to hear that people are finding it really useful and that it's adding value and that it's being shared among peers and colleagues. So today's success factor is all about having a sharp focus on digital skills and training. Very topical at the moment when you consider the war for talent, as they're calling it out there. And as always, we have core objectives from the conversation. We want to understand why is it important? What are the common challenges that businesses and people might face when it comes to mastering this success factor? And as always, what are the top tips that our guests can offer that you can take and embed into your way of working from here on out? We hope you enjoy. Kate Brady is the head of IFDS Europe. She is responsible for the IFDS Luxembourg and Ireland businesses and is also a director on the boards of these entities. IFDS, short for International Financial Data Services, is a joint venture organisation owned equally by State Street and SSNC. It was established in 2007 to deliver transfer agency and investor servicing solutions within the investment funds industry. In her role, Kate leads the European management team and drives the business from a strategic perspective, working with the shareholders on setting and executing strategy and with the clients on delivering value. Kate has previously held a number of leadership roles within the European business, including the role of Chief Operating Officer and Chief Administrative Officer. Talent attraction, development and retention have been a huge focus for IFDS, like many organisations in recent years, and Kate has played a key role in their business strategy in this regard. So that's why we're absolutely delighted to welcome Kate to the podcast today to talk about our next success factor, sharp focus on digital skills and training. Kate, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Siobhan. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Brilliant. So I think let's start at the top. Okay, so 73% of firms that we surveyed in the Business Transformation Index reported um, report last year agreed that organizations had underinvested in the skills base of employees. So it might seem like a simple question, but I think it's a good place to start. Why do you think it's important for organizations to have a sharp focus on digital skills and training? Okay, so let's start there, as you say, Siobhan, and before we do, maybe we'll just set the context that I'm going to respond, you know, from an organizational strategy perspective, you know, why is this important across the board, not just when a firm is undertaking a digital transformation program or has a specific initiative, we might get time to talk about the, the training environment within those programs, but but for the context of the of the response, we're going to look at, at business strategy and, you know, all business strategies are very dependent on the, the people element of that. Um, and it's just the degree to which our environments are changing. You know, I think that's what it boils down to. We have to be conscious that uh, for, for all of us to be successful, uh, our people are a significant contributing factor. And if we look, especially in the last few years, at the situation that all of our teams and, and members and indeed ourselves have been through, we've probably more than likely shifted significantly to work from home environments. And we're now probably managing the, the move to a hybrid environment. So for some, it's it's 
continuing to embrace that work from home environment and for others it's shifting closer to an office-based environment and for lots it's, it's trying to find the balance in, in between and um, so that that changing environment is hugely instrumental um, in in why this particular subject is has to stay front and central i would say the other piece of it is the degree to which technology then at the same time frame um is is just moving and we've heard from all of your wonderful previous speakers you know just so many exciting things are happening but the the pace of it i i really do feel as if sometimes the, the pace of that whilst you're in a busy environment for actually whatever your core business is we're a financial servicing uh, business and our day-to-day -day business if nothing else was happening with regards to transformation or with regards to i said the for example the work from home shift and the the, the embracing of hybrid now we would be flat out <laughs> you know our <laughs> core business servicing our clients um, working through regulatory change, working through product advancements that our clients um, want support on um, and, and just delivering. You know, we've, we've literally tens of thousands of, of deliverables on a daily basis, usually with timelines associated, intraday, etc., uh, large values. So it's all all quite a busy environment. And so if you layer on then what you're expecting your people to cope with, you know, being successful in, in, in meeting the client's expectations, making their deliverables, embracing new technology, perhaps in a new mode of working. You know, it's it's incumbent on us to try and help them navigate that and prepare for what the future is going to look like, because this is only the tip of the iceberg and there's more to come. Absolutely. And it really seems that way, judging from the conversations we've had over the last eight weeks or so. You've made a really good case, I think, for why people need to invest in this as part of their holistic strategy, I suppose, for dealing with the skills shortage and the talent shortage. But as I stated from the outset, you know, this is a clear challenge for organizations to get right. What do you think the common challenges are that businesses face when it comes to investing in this area? It's probably worth starting with the fact that that it is such a difficult thing to to get right for, for some reason. And yet probably boils down to um, a couple of key elements. And as I said, I, I think one is just the the prioritization of it amongst everything else, you know, really trying to, to look to the future sufficiently to invest in the future when often the here and now can be um, just so active and, and so many things going on. So that that is one piece and just trying to, and we've heard your previous speakers talk about the support of the board and the importance of linking to strategy and know where you're going. And I think that ties to it. You really do have to, to continue to look ahead and to continue to have your, your, your board and your senior teams really understanding the strategy for the business in the future and, and where it's going to be to really create that imperative for uh, appreciating that you will need to bring your people with you. And it's interesting, you know, I think your previous um, one of your previous speakers spoke about, you know, the the maybe the benefit of having new folks in in that new world, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I think whilst there's great merit in always mixing up the skills and the experience of new folks and fresh insights. But, you know, invariably, certainly when I look at our business, the most in demand folks are what we would see as our SMEs, you know, the folks that have been here while maybe done different roles, understand so much of how it all comes together. So, you know, that the, the process from A to Z and so many stakeholders in the in the mix and how one change can impact impact somebody else. And the deeper the understanding, and it's a complex environment, so the deeper the understanding of that, the richer the SME, 
Um, but then the more in demand they are, like we literally, if we could clone our SMEs, because they're always, it's always the same names, I would say, you know, when you look to, to start a new conversation and you're trying to understand what it might mean, people always want the same, you know, th- those those folks in the room to explain it to them. What, what could this mean? What's your thoughts on it? Um, and so that kind of intellectual knowledge that's in the business is is so important. And if you can take that group with you on this journey and yes, add new skills and experience and outside voices and differences. But it, you need to try and have that at that mix and you need to bring those folks with you. But they're often the ones that are most uh, snowed under, you know, so it's how to how to generate um, that environment that you're widening your SME pool base and, and you're you're achieving that right mix of, of old and new. This is it because you need their skills at the moment and you need all of them all the time. But at the same time, if you don't free up some of their time to share that knowledge, you're kind of in a catch-22 situation. Indeed. The other big challenge at the moment is the war on talent. Again, if, if environments are generally finding a tight, you know, maybe numbers of open positions or experience levels are not what you might ideally want, then it just becomes um, a little bit of a, of a catch-22, I guess, to create the, the learning environment. Um, and then you have the real challenge of of what I've described at the outset in terms of the environment that people are in, you know, so no longer can you just say, well, look, we'll, we'll grab everybody into a room and we'll do a demo, or we'll do a classroom session or we'll, you now have got folks who respond well to that type of environment, but maybe they're at home or you have the folks who are in the office, but actually they're, you know, they're the YouTube generation. So they don't want to really sit in the classroom for an hour. They prefer the bite sized knowledge transfer. Um, and there's so many benefits to that, to be fair. I'm probably a late convert to the to the bite sizing. It's called kind of the YouTube uh, approach to training. Um, but I can see how uh, if you want to look back on something or, you know, there's one piece of it that's relevant to you. And, you know, six, six days later or six weeks later, you want to go back and do a refresh. The fact that it's broken down, it's short, it's five minutes here and there. It's maybe video accessible, et cetera. It's a it, it's a real interesting time for the learning conversation because I said there's just so many different uh, ways of delivering uh, and styles. Like we work with teams uh, globally, so we have teams in in India, in Hong Kong, in, in North America, and here in Europe. And so if you are creating um, content or you're trying to bring people with you, you know, actually there's great merit in having it. Um, people being able to digest it in their own time and in their own way because everybody's schedules will be different, you know. So. There's huge benefit there, but it 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 can be challenging then. So there's some folk who just prefer the the in-person engagement. And so like most things, it's probably the mix. It's understanding your audience, understanding what will work uh, best for them. And more than likely, it'll it'll be a combination of uh, efforts that will have the best uh, success. It's a really good point there because we all learn differently, don't we? You know, it's the same way some people can write their notes with pen and paper and other people type them all up or write them on a an iPad. Everyone's a bit different, aren't they, in the way they, they learn. In your experience, is it harder to get board buy-in or, or senior management buy-in for investing in skills and upskilling and training for existing staff? Um, like would they their preference be to go externally and maybe bring in a partner to fill those skills gaps? Would that be one of the challenges that businesses face? I think it can be. I think it maybe depends on the context for the conversation. I, I would say generally there can be great support in that internal um, investment. And it's more of a, a of a concern about actually being able to free up that type of resource. And, and you know, if you're into taking a large program, you know, that one of the hardest decisions at the beginning could be to to take your your strongest folks out of their day job um, and put them into that environment. And actually that's the investment and maybe they're the skills um, 
you know on at that point um, to help them be successful maybe if maybe they you know they're they're an operational expert but they don't have the technical knowledge or vice versa it's it's i think in some ways it's freeing folks up um, and and just removing them from that environment because you know it, it can often be just so as I said uh, active a uh, day to day but uh, i do think the partner approach can work really well um, and and definitely and you know we talk about the the skills shortage um, so certainly in terms of having as wide a variety as possible of sources of new skills and talent is really good. And the partner approach can certainly uh, play a part there. But it's, you know, I would say, it, again, it tends not to be all of one or another um, and, and being open to all of them. Um, I, I do think sourcing new skills and talent is, uh, is, is again, it's just it's vital. And I think we probably have a tradition, certainly in financial services, of having a narrower reach than than is needed, um, and we need to, we are working hard at that, um, and we need to keep that up. Um, and I would say, in some ways, we're more much much more open now than maybe when I started in financial services, which was thirty years ago, to that wider pool. But on the flip side, I actually think the wider pool maybe is less interested in financial services than. Um, <laughs> Than we might like, and it's hard to make financial services attractive. It's a really exciting space. We're working in a, you know, in, in our case, it's a very global environment, um, great multicultural elements, which is a piece I've always enjoyed. Um, but trying to convey that and get that uh, across um, can be difficult, and, and especially with younger generations now, really try to understand, you know, how the, you know, an organisation or an industry is impacting the the world context and yes. making the world a better place, you know, and I think financial services has work to do to 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 actually convey, you know, what is an essential need. You know, the, the world is is the better for having uh, saving options and, and structures, etc. But uh, said I don't think that's necessarily um, something that people immediately think of. So it's different, different for different industries. I know you've had a great mix of industries. Uh, speakers so far, and it is um, it's it's it is interesting to see how in attracting we're probably all after the same the same pool of talent, mm -hmm. you know, and and in some ways it can be an industry role to actually understand how your industry is is participating there, and I think that is one of the the, the, the challenge that you need to actually almost partner as an industry set of groups, and 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 for example, in funds we have an Irish funds industry here, like that firm that that organization has been really helpful um, in allowing firms to come together and collectively try and say okay how do we convey the positives of of our situation and what we can offer and you know th there's a lot of firms do great work in in community projects or or sponsorship etc but it doesn't uh, probably you know it's probably not the first thing people think of when they consider a role with a financial services firm yeah, and each sector tends to have like their kind of individual challenges, don't they, um, in attracting that staff, especially when, you know, this kind of shiny companies, as I like to call them, that seem to really have nailed that kind of illusion piece, you know, to, to get people's attention, you know. And actually speaking about the employee, I think it's important to see, to kind of explore, in your experience, has there been challenges in relation to getting employee buy-in into upskilling programs, training programs, or is that a, a challenge you've experienced? Anything you can talk to in that area? Yeah, I think it is, in all honesty. Um, I, I think there can be a a level of, of, of fear attached to, to maybe shiny is a, a good way to put it. You know, there's a lot of talk about digital and 
and, and what that really means and this future world. And, and I do think there are certain employees who almost just step away from it. You know, they step back from that. And, and in reality, you know, the, the, there's no need to be afraid of it. But how do you convey that? And, and how do you actually link somebody's role today um, with the, the, the art of the possible, you know, and I think that's where the real sweet spot comes. If, if the more folks that can engage and really understand, you know, the the boundaries now that are being pushed by technology, I, I think there's there's great opportunity to identify a lot more ways of of recreating the business environment. And I think again, one of your previous speakers said it, you know, it's not just about let's automate this process as it looks today. Let's reimagine the process. And and I think you sort of need that combination of both technical knowledge and business knowledge to come together to do that. And and in some ways I do think there's a there's folks that that almost are technophobe, maybe it's too strong, but techno fear um, because it just feels quite daunting you know this uh, there's so many buzzwords so many opportunities so much knowledge just the the very art of keeping up with uh, that is 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 can be difficult and I think some people maybe step away from it a little bit or they just don't see how it applies in their role so on on a personal note we're probably uh, all engaging and, and quite familiar and, and it's intuitive but in, in a work context um, actually trying to encourage employees to really embrace so again it's I think it's about how you communicate a lot of that um it's how you make it accessible it's how you break it down it's how you link it back to where you're going it's how you show that there is still that role like we would put a lot of uh, effort into trying to communicate what we're about what's our well you know what's important what we're working on the income the impacts of these things the outcomes of things that we've concentrated on um so communication is, is huge um but to just really try and encourage folks then to engage with uh, information so you know in our, in our case we make it available in a lot of different ways but it is I think it takes active encouragement and a real link to you know where the business is going and, and everybody's role in that to really encourage people to to truly engage you know um, and, and and like I said earlier it's a it's going to be different for different people yeah. and you have to respect that and and you should you should actually run towards that because, again, it, you know, it, it comes down to your cultural environment, isn't it? It's trying how do you create that culture of a growth mindset really is what you're after. You're after that organization where everybody's open to learning and accepting that they can change or they can learn. And it's uh, it's not easily achieved, but it definitely needs to be a, a regular theme. It needs to come across in communication. It, it needs to be lived as well as spoken, though. You know, you can't just yeah. say it in theory. You know, you do have to to, to show it. Um, so I think there's a there's a real real opportunity, but that is you know for for management I would say that's that's something you're constantly trying to uh, encourage managers to embrace and and share and understand their teams, understand um, how their you know a, a corporate culture needs to constantly evolve because it should reflect the makeup of the employees at the point in time. You know you don't set a culture and then stick to it. You know five years later if your employee base has evolved and I hope it has, then, you know, your culture has to evolve with it. And whether that's, you know, th across all the types of uh, of, of diverse uh, diversity factors, um, but you need to be constantly understanding then who is our, you know, who is our employee base? What, what is that? Um, what is that profile? And, and, and are, what are they? And, and how do, will they want us to uh, engage on this and, and provide that encouragement? But uh, 
Yeah. Sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I'm I'm loving what you're saying there. That there's a few things that actually came to me when you were you were speaking. But I want to pick up on the management piece because I think this is such an important piece because they're the people who inspire the teams that are around them. And I suppose in your experience, has it been hard to kind of motivate the the managers to kind of inspire their teams to invest in themselves in that kind of a way? Yeah, look, we've wonderful management folks, so I wouldn't want that to 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 my answer to convey anything different, you know. But in reality, I, I think the management role is one of the hardest in the business. That middle management role, you know, you're you're day in day out probably facing off with your, you know, your business commitments as said, whatever they are. And you're managing people, you know, very hands on, very directly and, and to 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 engage in the way, you know, that uh, everybody wants. You know, it's, it's a big ask. You've probably been through said, that shift of move to work from home and moving back to hybrid and you know using new technologies to do that, trying to work out the ones that work best for, for your team and your environment. It's always a big ask, I think, on that group. It's a, it's a pressure group, um, to be fair. And in any organisation, I do think um, that's one group you have to really look after and look out for. Um, and I'd never underestimate how, how, how tough a role it is. Um, but the reality is, and, you know, we try and adopt a change methodology, I'm sure as most or lots of firms do. But one of the key messages from the change methodology that we follow is that team you know your your broad employee base the person they most want to hear about when it comes to the changes um, or organizational transformation or the future and their role in it is their manager you know that's so there's a huge pressure on that manager to get that right it's one thing for a senior business leader to get up and talk about business strategy that's fine and that's respected but if it boils down to what does this mean for me how will it impact me what are my opportunities what are my you know what are what's uh, potentially a, you know, a perception of a negative. It's their manager who's best placed to work with them through all of that, you know. So if you just layer on that, that's a significant task then for your managers, as I said. Uh, and I think you do need to support them. And it can, it can be difficult because they're often that same SME that I talked about earlier. Maybe they move into a manager role after, you know, becoming expert in something. And so across the board, that's a group then that, that again, has a lot of demands made on their on their time. But I would say, in in assisting teams to embrace change or to understand what's coming or to be open to evolving their skills to prepare for you know where things are going that manager role is the role that's really really critical and the one that we should uh, we should prioritize working with Mm, yeah it makes complete sense and actually time you mentioned time there and when you were speaking earlier about the culture you know when people get the culture right and when they get the skills programs right a big thing that I always um hear from employees is like you know but they haven't reduced my workload so there's something there as well that it's like if you want if you want to be able to truly invest in people and so that they can learn and grow um is there something in that about like making sure that you're able to that they can manage their time? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And, and that would be something that look and it's never easy. There's no silver bullet, but you have to recognize that. And you certainly for whatever your business model is, you, you do need to make every effort to work that, that, that through. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And on that, you mentioned the war for talent. So what role then does investing in digital skills and training have in that overall war for talent? I think it has a really important role, Siobhan, because I do think it's a fair and, and valid expectation 
for your current and your future employees that they're going to be working in environments that has these um, types of digital tools available to them, both for how they kind of maybe operate intra-company, you know, so all of the ways, you know, instant messaging and, you know, um, all of the the, the easy ways, to Zooms and WebExes and, and all of these um, apps that have become so popular in the last few years, but that, you know, we continue to make sure that intra-office, um, and especially in a global environment, you know, is so easy and, you know, video com communication and, and just constantly looking at what's available for folks to do their, for the how they do their job, but also then the actual core business, whatever your core business is, um, I, I think that it's a, again, I said a realistic and fair expectation that your employees are going to have, that you're going to give them tools to do their job effectively, that you're not going to waste their time doing tools that could uh, be done more efficiently or on processes that have an alternative way for that process to be done. Um, and it's difficult, you know, in our business, it's a it's a very regulated industry. We're working with 70 different you know, countries, so investors from 70 different countries, give or take. Um, and so you need to be ready to engage in the way that you're, the investor base that you're servicing want to engage with you. And that can be quite wide and varied, um, but certainly for your employees and, and, and the, the folks that are uh, working within that model would ex you know, expect us, and, and rightly so, to give them tools to make their job um, as, as value add as, as possible. Um, and so in the war for talent, if that's not the environment that you're, you know, let's be honest, either have or are striving to create. And a lot of us will be in the striving to create uh, category. We've come a long way, but there's more we can do. I, I think we have to or we just won't be able to um, to get them in or retain them. And, and a lot of our new joiners, you know, come in because it's referrals or they're coming back to us. They worked with us previously and they can see this ongoing effort, you know, and I won't say we get it right all the time, but we're certainly striving to make it a better environment. And I think if that's not evident to your employees, you just won't, you just won't keep them, you know, and, and, and that's, that's another good reason why this just has to be a, an ongoing focus. One more thing just before we move on to top tips, but it just, dawned on me there and it's an it's an open question it's actually a, just a thought that came to me but I wonder are we have we do we need to move forward in the way in which we sell like opportunities and jobs to people because nowadays really you don't do what's on the job spec for much more than like two years you know so I'm wondering you know you were saying earlier about like the board and, and bring people into the organization I wonder if there's something in that that like we kind of have this linear job job spec and people apply for that job and those are the duties, you know, but really when you look at it, it transforms so much kind of within short space of time. So I wonder, is that something that businesses need to maybe play around with and think outside the box with moving forward? Just yeah, think. I think so. And I certainly think people really enjoy the opportunity to move internally. I would say we have greatly increased our internal mobility um, in, in the last number of years with great success, you know, and it and it's a win-win, you know, I'd always say I'd much prefer to see somebody if they're ready for that change, getting the opportunity internally than considering it going external for it. It shouldn't be necessary if what they're looking for is just a different, you know, a different challenge, but they're 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 happy in the environment, you know. So um I would say we're very supportive of that. And it's always a difficult one. It's easy now for me after 30 years to say the greater good and it's the organizational benefit because you see it. You know, I've seen people who ultimately I call it the zigzag path um through your career. You know, the, the straight line path on paper, you know, may look better because you know it may be 
notionally short, you know, a shorter path to the, let's say the top, whatever the top is for an individual, you know, because you progress, you go into a, a team. Um, and if you can progress through the through the layers and through the grades, you know, to being the more senior or the most senior person in that team, it's, it's, it's quite linear and it may be fractionally shorter, but it's just quite narrow relative to somebody, as I said, who may set the zigzag path. You know, you maybe go left, you go right. At times you consolidate, you stay at the same level, but you take on a new a role or a different area. Ultimately, I think that path is much more also probably equips you to go further. You know, that's the truth. You, you know, your ultimate um, end spot, I think, is likely to have a lot more options and, and breadth of opportunity because you've you haven't taken the maybe the more linear route. But it but it is hard for an organization sometimes to really embrace that because it's back to kind of what we talked about earlier. You know, you've you've folks who are really good at what they do and it's just a, a it feels like a wrench to encourage them to to maybe move elsewhere. Um, but you just have to I said the greater good for the organization for sure is to, to provide that opportunity. Yeah, it's a really good point. And somebody described that to me before, that it's not a career ladder, it's a career jungle gym. And I loved that analogy because okay, it's like it. so true, actually. You know, you can move sideways, you can move diagonal. You know, it's not always like step by step by step. And yeah, I think that's a really good point that you made there. So we like to wrap up each of the episodes. We've kind of talked through a lot of challenges there, Kate. But we like to wrap it up, kind of giving the listener your top tips for mastering this success factor, sharp focus on digital skills and training. In, in no particular order, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, think of your pipeline of SMEs. Think of how to to constantly uh, build that pipeline, expand that pipeline, try and have it as wide as you can, because they're the folks that you'll want in the room when you're having these exploratory conversations. I said about the art of the possible. So keep um, keep going. Uh, and, and that is ultimately your tech experts <laughs> who maybe need some business knowledge or it's your business folks who, with some tech knowledge, can better understand what you know what the, the world that they're uh, that could be ahead of them. So I, I'd say keep keep focusing on that pipeline. Um, engage at industry level, as that consider at industry level. Like I would say, again, just if you want a quick example, um, and something we didn't quite get to expand on was the, for example, a good example maybe is ESG. So in financial services, there's a lot of um, focus, as there should be, on sustainable finance uh, and what this whole. Uh, future means for for responsible um, financial services provision, um, but it's it's relatively speaking a newer space, and yet there's this going to be this huge demand for um, risk experts or operations experts or compliance experts with knowledge of ESG and and environmental factors and really understanding what drives um, this whole space and you know what 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 good looks like and avoiding greenwashing and and all of these uh, important tasks but as an industry for example you know you know are you out there working with your your traditional sources maybe your less traditional sources to make sure that where your pipeline of future talent is coming from is evolving you know to to make sure that ESG is being factored in now to you know school level or degree level um certificate level diplomas whatever you know all those environments need to start adapting um additional content and the same applies to digital skills you know you could do many traditional courses now but i would hope that digital skills is being factored in because that's going to be the you know the realistic environment that they'll be applied in so it's you know making sure as an industry and as firms that you're you're out there looking to the future and playing your part in creating um, that that pipeline for for down the road, um, definitely think if you go back to your internal organisation, then just think about how you're delivering your training. You know, are you making um, you know think that the YouTube, the bite size 
um, opportunity is if that's how people want it. How easily is it accessed? How easily is it found? You know, have you got somebody wants to do a search for that nugget of of, of advice? You know, will they find it easily? Will they know where to map it? You know, just make it as easy as possible for people to uh, access that. But don't rely solely on the, um, I would say, maybe the 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 non-personal delivery and, and and that could just turn out to be the communication side but maybe the communication of what and where to find it and how to access it and how to really apply it and uh, tying it into the business you know maybe the communication can be in person but the actual training itself then can be online and, and people can do it in their own time but just look again at how you're 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 offering your your training solutions and, and then maybe when we talked about training just to make sure it's as holistic as possible um, so we, you know, we spent a few minutes talking about learning digital skills, um, but I would say, you know, the importance of investing in in DEI training, for example, you know, that cultural point to make sure that everybody understands. It's a very, it's a, it's a fascinating space, but it's evolved fast. It's something I spend a lot of time um, and attention on, and, and but I learn something new every single day. You do have to stay up with it. So how how is your organisation? Um, offering and, and allowing people to understand, you know, h- how to be successful um, and embracing the, the the best trains of thought um, and, and the best practices for creating a, a culture that's truly inclusive and diverse and allows equality to to occur. It's it's not easy, um, but just be a, be as broad as possible. And like you said, work with partners. You know, maybe you don't have to do it all yourself. <laughs> so find <laughs> find a good find a good partner, find a good solution. Those kind of networks and um, relationships can often be very valuable then at times when you've got these um, maybe concentrated periods where you need to, to ramp up or you have a particular challenge or you have a particular project. Um, and so I think always looking outward to what others are doing and how they can help you. It's very helpful. And just before I let you go, I know at the outset we said we were kind of looking at this through the lens of the whole the whole wider organization. But have you any kind of tips for the other um, types of investment in skills and training that we spoke about? So maybe specific to a transformation program. Is there anything you could share with the listeners there? I just say, Sean, at the start of any transformation program, just think as holistically as possible as you can about your, your training. I know when we embarked on our um, a fairly significant program a couple of years back, you know, one of the first things we did was recognise that within, say, the organisation here, we didn't have um, as much change management expertise. We've great um, project management and business analysis expertise and it's great ops, uh, SMEs, etc. Um, but we felt that we would really need the change um, knowledge to be strong. And so we invested in, um, myself included, a number of us, um, here and in Luxembourg going through um, a, you know, a, a formal change learning process. And um, we, we, we picked one in particular, but there, there's more, you know, there's more than one methodology there. But the, the, the benefit of that then was we invited folks from multiple disciplines. We invited our trainers, but we invited our, our PMs, our VAs, our ops folks, as I said, some management folks, um, all to, to come and go through the training together so that we as an organization could enrich our understanding of of how to do it uh, correctly and, and it really is so important because for any change organization i guess we got a we got that understanding that you need to from the very beginning you know create the awareness of what's coming and 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 really try and understand help people understand why it's coming and and what their role will be and bring people in really early i think that's one of the biggest mistakes is that people you know don't bring maybe the user um, in or the customer, whoever's going to kind of experience the 
the ultimate change um, don't bring them in early enough and you really have to create the awareness of it up front and um, whether there's good or bad implications of it you know the all implications get it out there and build a desire and, and you know if it's a good news story which the majority of it is um, you 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 create the desire to to be involved and you have them on board throughout and then you can move on to you know building knowledge and making sure that that um, ability to support the change and to work with whatever the change if it's a new tech uh, piece or, or whatever it might be that it's it's there throughout um, but you really need to, to get folks in from the beginning um, and I would say don't forget then the final piece of that which is to really measure how effective the change has been don't forget to go back and really make sure the change is reinforced and that people haven't either inadvertently or, or deliberately um, maybe uh, switch back to old ways of working and old behaviours. It's it's more common than we might like to think uh, that people actually revert and don't fully utilise. So if you want those full benefits that were talked about in previous uh, sessions, and if you really want the adoption levels and the utilisation levels to be as high as they need to be to deliver what you've committed to delivering and the base on which you got your investment in the first place, you really need to make sure that your, uh, uh, your folks are really using um, and embracing you know the the new the new process the new tech whatever whatever the change was and um, but that all comes through understanding uh, for example that that change methodology um more completely so for us that was a an important element originally to recognize that we you know we had a gap and we needed to fill it um, and i think for every firm so just be as holistic as you can in looking at at this training subject and make sure you're supporting the asset all aspects of what, what might be needed um, to to flesh out your your experience within the organisation. Brilliant. They're fantastic tips for the listeners. I think there's loads even I learned. I was jotting down a lot of notes there when you were talking. And look, this is going to continue to be a challenge for businesses, isn't it? Because it's a supply and demand thing at the moment. But if you can, like you say, use things like um, digital skills and training to kind of keep your staff and keep them motivated and keep them developing, then you're you're doing all right, you know, up against the competition in the market. So um, thank you so much, Kate, for your time today. I've absolutely loved talking to you about this um, success factor and I really appreciate your time and have a great day. Thank you, Siobhan. It's been a pleasure. So that's a wrap for episode eight. Thank you so much to Kate Brady for her time and sharing her wisdom with us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Explio Explorers podcast. You'll find the Business Transformation Index and the other podcasts in this series on our website. Just go to explio.com forward slash podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know where you're enjoying the series. Is there anything you'd recommend for the future? You just do that online. Use the hashtag ExplioExplores on social media. So next week, with a heavy heart, it is our last uh, success factor in this series. And we very purposely set out to make this a nine-part series whereby we tackled a different topic every week. And we wanted to differentiate each of the episodes and add value. So we hope that we've achieved that. Please do let us know your thoughts. And we're finishing on quite a controversial topic, I suppose, for many. It's around quality assurance and there's lots of interesting opinions and perspectives when it comes to how we integrate quality assurance into our transformation programs. So I'm really looking forward to sharing the insights on that topic with you. But in the meantime, have a great week.